Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. A recent Gallup poll shows that less than half of our country belongs to a church of any kind. And what they are seeing is this growing trend among older teens and young adults to stop gathering for corporate worship, and they're starting to redefine their faith or they're deconstructing their faith altogether. And we've talked about deconstructing faith here on the program before. So today we're going to be talking about that, why this is happening, what could we as a church be doing differently, what could we as parents be doing differently, and we're really going to focus in on the reasons why more and more of youth are disassociating themselves from Christ's church. Some of the things we're going to be looking at, you might not want younger kids to be listening to. Um, You might want to introduce the themes to them if they are younger. So I'm just going to give you permission to turn off the radio if you're listening to this one on the radio. My name is Jake. My name is Brian. And we are glad to have you for an episode of The Kitchen Table. We love to talk about faith, music, and culture on this show. And we are a father-son duo, and we've been doing this for about almost three years now. It has been that long. I'm old. Yeah, you're just ancient. (laughs) Yeah, just a rundown of how we do the show. We do a faith conversation for about the first 20 to 30 minutes of the show. And then we move into a segment called Music Matters. And that's where we talk about music that's just kind of speaking to our lives. So I typically bring a song of the week. Dad brings a new song because he works in radio and he has access to all of that stuff. And then dad, as he's always done with my life, brings an old song that we like to call the oldie but goldie. Mm -hmm. And then we move into a segment called Culture Shock. And that's just where we talk about culture shockers. People that are making a difference in the culture for the kingdom. So today we have a couple guests with us in the uh, panel. We're talking, of course, about the church. Oh, that was good. I like that. Thank Thank you. you. The church and um, how older teenagers, younger adults are no longer attending church. So I'm like, okay, let's grab a couple people that are in that age demographic and get their perspectives on this as well. And really, we're going to focus in on uh, why they are disassociating themselves with Christ Church. So Kyla is here. Sarah is here. They work with Shine.fm. And so I asked them to sit in on this one. So I want to specifically look at reasons. And so I have a list of reasons and I would love to get your thoughts on these and why you think this is a reason that is mentioned. Uh, The first one is, is that this generation believes that Christians in general don't care about social issues. So thoughts on that one. Is that, is that something that you personally think is a reason that people are leaving the church, young people? I think that there are a lot of people that have voiced frustration because the church won't hop on as in-depth as they would like them to. And it's hard for the church to be able to take on all different viewpoints that everybody is bringing before them because people can't be catered to for having a strong feeling about a viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Then they are disheartened um, when they really should recognize that God's kingdom comes in all different viewpoints. And that's the beauty of it is that it all comes down back to Christ and his love for us. So I've been to a lot of different churches and there are some that I went to consecutively and every single weekend is just the gospel being preached, which definitely needs to happen. People need to come to know Jesus. But I feel like you also go to church to learn how to act in a Christ-like manner. And I feel like the church could really help the congregation learn how to act in a godly manner about social issues, how what the scripture says about mm-hmm. how to interact with people mm-hmm. that care passionately about these things. And so I could see why people would be stepping away. If they're if they've already found Jesus, they need they need to know what to do with that mm-hmm. and how to behave. What you're saying, Sarah, is there's this this tension between culture and Christianity. 
and you feel like we need, the local church needs to start addressing some of these issues because you want to know how to live out your faith when you're confronted in culture. Exactly. It's really hard to interpret and understand the scriptures. And I feel like the church could come up alongside people and help them understand it Mm -hmm. and understand how to behave and act. Many youth don't feel like that the things that they're passionate about, their parents aren't passionate about. Mm -hmm. Would that be a truthful statement? No. Yeah. I could see that. Going along with Sarah, I feel like the church is just kind of, I've been told my whole life of like, oh, if there's like a really pressing matter, just like pray about it. Mm-hmm. I think that was just like the off throne, like pray about it. You have a situation like that's pretty controversial, pray about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, praying about it is an important factor, but also like change needs to happen. That's kind of like the where the weird, we're called to pray about stuff, but we're also called to do stuff as a church and mm-hmm. as, as a church that's not just within the four walls of the church building, but the church is like a group of people where we can go outside of the walls. Jesus is not confined or God is not confined Mm -hmm. to four walls. He's everywhere. And so I think that I don't want to blame the church for this, but I feel like it's just kind of an ill preparement of especially young people who are very like vocal about, I mean, Gen Z and millennials are like some of the most vocal people about what they believe in and they believe hard. Well, you have the tools to broadcast yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like because of social media and because of podcasts like right. this and because of, of the accessibility to share our voice, we believe in stuff really hard. I'm a very empathetic and understanding guy. So I think it's really hard for older people to understand that because they've never had the expressions of like Facebook to be able to share Mm -hmm. it. And yes, we do have the 50 year old grandmas who are sharing their opinions (laughs) on Facebook, but be careful where you're going on that. Yeah, yeah, cut cut, cut, cut that part. part. (laughs) Well, I think it's also perspective because in church, one, I think it's hard for, I'll just, I'll just say from my generation, it's hard for us to talk openly about certain things because there's certain things we deal with in our culture today that it takes deep study in scripture mm-hmm. and looking at the entirety of scripture, not just handpick verses mm-hmm. to address certain things. Whereas it's a lot easier for us to say to youth, oh, you don't, you shouldn't be watching these kinds of movies and listening to this kind of music yeah. and mm-hmm. playing these kinds of video games. And that's not what you're concerned about. Mm-hmm. You're concerned more about uh, the racial tension that's going on in our country, yeah. about the gender identity confusion that's going on and the growing number of your friends that are dealing with depression and anxiety. Yeah. And those mm-hmm. kinds of things we don't talk about mm-hmm. in the church. And those are the kinds of things you want to talk about, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, especially like for me, like I've gone through, a lot, like I've had depression and anxiety at one point. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about it because I don't want to feel alone in, in mm-hmm. it anymore. Right. And I think that the church is kind of in this weird spot where it's, it's a multi-generational family. Mm-hmm. And we need to fulfill everything for every generation. So that's why we have a children's ministry. That's why Mm -hmm. we have youth ministry. That's why we have adult like small groups and all this stuff. And I think that it's just kind of weird to figure out, especially like as a young adult who's in college trying to figure out his own stuff for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I express myself, but also listen to other people's opinions? And I feel Mm -hmm. like the church is is finally, I think, getting in this position where small groups Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I'm dad and I's church is doing that. We're starting that. And I love that. And I'm sad that I can't join it all summer Mm -hmm. because I'm traveling all Mm -hmm. summer. But I think that's kind of the first step to be able to listen and be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, when we look at the way it was done and we tell you not to watch this or listen to this, that's all about parents protecting, Mm -hmm. protecting you from that culture. And the fact of the matter is 
when we neglect to talk to youth about social issues, it's the same intent. We're trying to protect you from that. But the reality is you are submerged in social issues of our day. We cannot protect you from that. It's all around you. So we need to talk openly about those issues. We need to invite questions. We Mm -hmm. need to show interest in the views. Now, I'm not saying agree with them, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying show interest in the views that someone else might have. And uh, then at that point, you open that dialogue. And if... Yeah, I'm putting a big if there. If you know what scripture says when addressing that kind of thing. And that's another major issue here is we have a lot of people who are biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. They claim to be Christian. We have a lot of cultural Christians. And I think that's, you know, post-COVID when we're not seeing mm-hmm. a bunch of people come back to church. It's because how deep was their faith in mm-hmm. the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, and now more are not going than are going. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we've had a dramatic shift. So the conversation needs to happen. All right. Oh. What about when it comes to your trust in authority? Because that's another reason that they say that youth are leaving the church, their distrust in authority. I know for me, I don't distrust authority. That's not what I'm saying, but I think... You don't trust all authority, though. Mm-hmm. No. I, I, and you question. I, I, I question. You and, probably and, question it a lot more, your generation, than my generation yeah. did. I think it was honestly because I was raised with the inclination that like authority is perfect. <laughs> but authority is human. Did you know I raise I mean? you that way? I'm sorry well, if I did. Well, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you raised me that way. I'm just saying that was kind of the, the inclination that I had in my mind mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. I think that I thought that like, oh, if they're in a place of authority, they are like God oriented. That means they're perfect and mm-hmm. they're human. They're going <laughs> to let me down. I mean, they're not God. Yeah. I feel like that is, at least for me, the reason why I'm like, okay, do you actually deserve to be in that spot mm-hmm. of authority? Mm-hmm. Also, like we mentioned earlier, having social media and all of these resources mm-hmm. at our fingertips um, where we can look and see how broken humanity is and realize that these people who are leading us and in charge of us can be just as broken as we are. What constitutes them being in the position that they are that's different from where we are? And so it really causes us to take a step back and reflect on what authority looks like if it's total reverence for this person and just blindly accepting what they are saying or is it merely looking to them and looking into their wisdom and their viewpoint in their humility mm-hmm. um, and being able to follow what follow with what they're saying not follow what they're saying but follow with what they're saying enough to be able to trust that they are seeking out your best interest you hit the nail on the head there when it talks about social media, 24-hour news stations. Mm-hmm. We know the reality of, let's face it, sin has corrupted our world and everyone in it. Mm-hmm. That includes us. You know, we've all had to deal with this. And so with social media and these 24-hour news cycles, it's constantly this, this constant stream of the ways that sin has infiltrated our lives. And that, for the younger generation, has this, it's created this mentality of, I can only depend on myself. Mm-hmm. in many ways. Can't depend on the government, can't depend on the judicial system. There are areas in society that we can't trust, and now it's it's infiltrated itself into, and it's the saddest thing ever, the mistrust that has bled over into the church. Mm-hmm. Now, our churches, and the reality of it is, our churches are run by, and they're full of broken people who struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. There will never be a perfect, fully trustworthy group of believers on this side of heaven. That does not happen. We need to be ready. And I think this is where 
as a church? And we're trying to answer that question. What can we do better as parents, as church? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to figure out this this show. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be better and be ready to discuss this, to explain what sinful nature is and uh, to have a posture of repentance in Mm -hmm. the church. That will do more than anything, help rebuild the trust Mm -hmm. that your generation has lost. That's Mm -hmm. That's a sad thing in the church. Yeah, I think our generation could use, and not not just for our generation, but what I've realized in life that it really boils down to is this world needs a whole lot more grace with each other because we aren't willing to accept other people's point of view and aren't willing to meet them in their brokenness and realize that that brokenness is the same thing that we're facing in our own lives. And so kind of what Jake was saying with the whole putting authority on a pedestal and expecting them to be perfect. That's, I see that in my upbringing too. Um, And that I would constantly try and seek out flaws in other people just to be able to judge their character, to see whether or not they were worthy of being in a position of authority Mm -hmm. and whether I could look up to them. And that's a really backwards way of thinking. When we are granted so much grace through Christ, we should be able to grant that same grace to other people. Obviously, there's a point that people will continually make mistakes and you have to take that case on its own. But when it comes to looking at authority and seeing their brokenness, as long as they have the humility to admit their wrongdoing, you should be able to grant them that grace that you've already been granted. I think it kind of comes back to being open about the fact that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. I feel like some churches definitely lean in to their image of perfection. Mm -hmm. And so then you just don't know whether they they have earned your respect or not and whether you should trust them. Mm -hmm. Especially growing up, you're just, your parents teach you who to trust and who's a good resource. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of end up idealizing them. I was blessed, I think, because my mom taught me from a young age to never put anyone on a pedestal because they'll only fall off. Mm-hmm. And good. so having that um, has just really helped me growing up. And I think it comes back to that being open and being willing to humble yourself and admit that you're mm-hmm. not perfect and that you're going to continually fail and mess up. Mm-hmm. Like Kyla was saying, have that mercy and grace for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is The Kitchen Table. Uh, we're doing a conversation today on youth and the reasons why more and more youth are disassociating themselves with Christ's church. Now, we're going to be talking about some themes that you might not want younger kids to listen to. So if you tuned in since uh, we started this, you might want to tune out if you have younger ears in the room. Another reason that uh, more and more youth are disassociating themselves from Christ's church is the belief that Christians hate homosexuals. We've not discussed this on the program. Jake has wanted to discuss this I on have. the program. Mm-hmm. So, Seems like day one. <laughs> um, and I, and I'm, I'm always leery doing that mm-hmm. because it's a very, very dividing issue in the church, in culture. You know, there's that phrase that they throw out there. Well, you hate the sin and not the sinner. But mm-hmm. all too often we display our hatred of this sin as if we do hate the sinner. Amen. Perfect example of this is when, you know, the Boy Scouts of America, they they announced that they were lifting the ban on homosexuals serving as troop leaders. And this caused a huge uproar and families began pulling their kids from the program, their sons from the program. The message this, this sends is that we don't mind that our sons are being led by maybe a leader who has an addiction to pornography or someone mm-hmm. who's cheating on his wife. But if they're living the homosexual lifestyle, you know, that, that no, we don't want anything to do with that. So, right. yeah, we're trying to define sins and how worse sins are on others. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. Our kids are watching every move we make Mm -hmm. and they're listening to every word we say. I would love to get your thoughts on this. 
because I can say more on it, but I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. This is an issue that your generation is struggling with that the church is not addressing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like kind of, at least for me, like that's the hardest thing is that I know a lot of gay people and a lot of people that like I went to church with and they're now gay. Mm -hmm. And that was the hardest one because I mean, one of my best friends who I looked up to, like he was like an older brother to me. Mm -hmm. He came out to me and I went to church. Like I knew him from church and youth group and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, if what I know to be true of what I've grown up with, he's not going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it's just kind of like, it, it tears at me. But then I've kind of just come to the realizations like, okay, who am I to judge? I'm not the one to judge. Mm-hmm. I understand that we need to love all, but I think people have kind of dug into the hate the sin, not the sinner. Mm-hmm. And hating the sin has kind of bled into hating the sinner. And so I think that's kind of where the issue is on. We've started to rank sins. I hate this sin much more right. than this mm-hmm. sin, and we can't do that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, scripture says God hates sin, period, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And maybe our own hatred <laughs> is a sin in God's mm-hmm. eyes. I remember being at a Christian music festival growing up, and there was a speaker there who had brought up the point that in God's eyes, murder is just the same as dropping a little swear word when you slam the door on your finger or something or using his name in vain or those kind of things. And it kind of puts it in perspective that we are not here to be able to judge other humans. And it's really hard, I think, for a lot of people in our generation to see this issue and want to go to church or they it takes them away from church they really struggle with it because they have seen so many different interpretations of god's word and how it could mean one thing or another and they don't know where their belief is supposed to fall along that spectrum. Mm. And so with that, we know that we're supposed to hold each other accountable if we're living a life of sin. If fellow believers are living a life of sin, we as Christians are supposed to hold each other accountable in those journeys. And I think that some Christians struggle to define whether or not they're supposed to intervene in situations that they are not sure how to interpret themselves. I feel like I see this so often because I know several people who fall under that umbrella of being gay or transgender or anything under that rainbow. And they just feel so ostracized and hated when they go into a church. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why, even if they have a relationship with God, they wouldn't want to attend church or how people who want to ally themselves Mm -hmm. and care for their friends wouldn't want to attend a church that make people feel unloved and unwanted when we're called to love on people, Mm -hmm. even if they are sinners. Like I know Jesus preaches about loving and caring for everybody, even especially those who are far from God Mm -hmm. and who have fallen so far under the influence of sin. And so I know it just makes me think, well, why would I want to be part of something that isn't actually living out what they're supposed to be doing. One of the main things we're called to do, love God and love others. I feel like we end up judging so Mm -hmm. much. It's so Mm -hmm. hard, but that's not our job here. That at the end of the day, it's God's job Mm -hmm. to rein judgment. And we're just supposed to be a light for him. And that involves being friendly and caring for those Mm -hmm. who are far from him. I think that youth need to see this full picture of the depth of sin. And again, not to judge them and rate, oh, well, that sin's worse or this sin. You know, it's it's their sin as well as our own. And it's rather than just the sins of others, youth need to see, and I'm talking to my generation and the church, they need to see us crying out to the Lord to save those who are living in opposition of God's design. And we need to model a life that is fueled by that genuine love for all people and the grief for all sin. Mm-hmm. 
that's not what we are demonstrating in the church today. Mm-hmm. As someone who was younger, but obviously you're my dad. Right. So I understand your viewpoint, but I also like, I understand that like, it's a change for you. It's I drastic. Mean, yeah. It's very drastic. And I, and I can't even imagine like, especially like older, like boomers. I mean, you're like right on the line, but I know I'm calling you old. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> well, I'm like, an older Xer. You're, okay. You're, you're, on, you're on the line. <laughs> but I am trying to understand like from your point, like that is drastic. I mean, like we've kind of grown up with, with this newer idea, but as someone who's grown up, I we've, can't. Yeah. We've, we never had to deal with this growing and up. And so I feel like, it was there. I'm sure it was, yeah. mm-hmm. but no one talked about it. Mm-hmm. And so within the church, never talked about. Mm-hmm. Another thing that they say that is causing youth to disassociate themselves with the church is they're not feeling connected to the church. And I, I find this surprising because your generation, you're digitally connected more than any other generation, but you're not feeling connected. They don't feel a connection to God when they gather to worship together. So the conclusion logically is that corporate worship coming together as a church isn't necessary or beneficial. So my question is, why do you feel like you're not connecting? I was having a similar conversation last night with a friend actually about just connection in the church and how a lot of times there's just barely any genuine interaction. It all just feels like formalities. Like you see somebody, it's, hey, hi, how are you? Good. How about you? Great. Thanks. And that's it. And if you actually start to open up and say how you're actually doing, they just kind of look at you funny. Like, why are you telling me this? That's mm-hmm. not the response I wanted. And so how are you supposed to have connection if you're not willing to go under the surface? Especially, I feel like church would be a place for that, especially after the service when there's that fellowship aspect. Mm-hmm. And if you're not connecting with the congregation, then how are you supposed to connect and worship the Lord together if you don't feel mm-hmm. that? I also spent like a lot of time church hopping this past school year. And beyond like the door greeters, nobody really says hi. I know it's a little more difficult with masks, but like nobody seemed to smile. Yeah. And so you just don't feel welcomed if you're new. And like, if I wasn't a believer already, I would, I don't think I'd want to go to church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was so much harder Mm -hmm. during COVID for Mm -hmm. sure. I had the same thing though, all throughout college, I was hopping through different churches, desiring connection. Um, Because obviously growing up, going to a church, your family already kind of helps you get a foot in the door of the connection aspect. But even still, my church back home is this small little podunk church that I love so much, but they still do potlucks. They still do (laughs) different things that help the church to get connected together. And I know with as big as some churches are, that that kind of thing is not a possibility necessarily. I know that there's a church that I did go to that had a potluck for college students here, and that helped me to feel more connected and kept me around for a lot longer than the other churches. But there was one church in particular that I attended that I don't recall anyone ever once saying hi to me aside from the people that I attended the church with. There would be people holding the doors open, but nobody was extending that hand to make the connection. And then the church that I finally found home around here (laughs) had plenty of people who are ready and willing to talk to you and enter into communion, like enter into life with you and fellowship with you before the service, after the service. And they want you to take that next step, which a lot of times takes form in small groups. And then there you're able to get even more connected with the people in the church. Especially being, I mean, around the college age, what I've noticed throughout, of course, I only go to school five minutes from my house, but college ministry is an overlooked ministry. Mm. In my opinion, I think it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll throw this together because that is where church kind of needs to step up. Mm 
because like youth ministry is there. You have a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. But I think with college ministry, there's not, oh yeah, there's the college age pastor. Unless you're like a mega church, you have the funding to be able to do that. But usually it's volunteer based and those volunteers have lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like a, a overlooked ministry that I think really needs to step up in the fact that like we're college students. We mm -hmm. are kind of going through this like weird phase in our lives where we are growing into our own being, mm -hmm. but we have like no connection with the church a group of people that feel no connection to the church and that's why they're leaving. And I think that's that group that we're talking about right here where it's like there's no connection because one, they either didn't grow up in the church or two, they're introverted and like mm -hmm. can't build connection for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To give the church credit, I know a lot of times they'll say, well, stop by our family room after yeah. the service. Mm -hmm. But if you are introverted, like that's very intimidating. You mm -hmm. don't sure. know what's waiting for oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I like I've never done that when I've gone to a new church, <laughs> whether I'm alone or with friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think something the church could do would just have people who aren't necessarily greeters. But if they just have them be on the lookout, if you see a family that not normally there make mm -hmm. sure you say hi and connect with them a little bit mm -hmm. just placing people there i'm an that. extrovert and i was at a new church with my fiance last weekend and they had the same thing they have a little meet and greet area that you can go up and talk to if you're a new visitor and he's like we should do that and i i was deer in the headlights i'm like those are those are people that have no idea who we are and they aren't making an effort to talk to us so like what makes them uh, yeah desire it, connection with us well right it's now? like it's like Oh, if you want to get connected, you come to us. It's right. not like, oh, we'll come and connect with you. Mm -hmm. It should be flipped yeah. around. Another thing I loved about my my home church is that in the service, we would always have like a fellowship time of normally shaking hands, hugs, whatever people are comfortable with, saying hi. It, during COVID, everybody would stand up and wave at each other <laughs> in the circle. Um, but even then, that's when people who are newer to the church were spotted by people who yeah. are older in the church, long going attendees yeah. um, and they were able to make that connection and recognize a new face and say hey haven't seen you here what brought you here and make that connection personally to bring them in and make them feel connected do you think that a lot of people that go to church go as spectators only because if you're asking someone to reach out to new people mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, no, no, I, I, I'm just here to, to sit through service and be a spectator. Don't ask me to do anything. Yeah, I could see that since a lot of people say they're Christian and they just show up on Sunday, but they don't mm -hmm. actually live out their faith mm -hmm. or have that connection and relationship with God. They're mm -hmm. just kind of going because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, Checking the, the, co the cultural yeah. Christian. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish I remembered who told me this, but I heard something and I live by it. And it's Jesus isn't in the four walls. And Jesus just isn't in one day. A lot of these cultural Christians, if you like to, we coined the term of that. We didn't coin the term, but we call that term. Mm -hmm. I think that they want to keep like, oh yeah, Jesus is in this box on Sunday in this specific place. But mm -hmm. anything outside of that day or that building is mine. And I think that that's kind of where it's like, okay, you say one thing, but you're acting the other way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like with the, the distrust and all that stuff comes in in the fact that like, why are you saying that you live this life of Christ? But then when I see you in the grocery store yelling at the clerk because she won't give you two dollars and quarters, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And it's very like, I don't want hypocrisy. Mm. And it just feels like, OK, this doesn't make sense. So I'm just going to back away from this. Do You think expectations play into this? Absolutely. If you're coming to church, there's certain expectations. Because one of the one of the other reasons that young people are leaving the church is they believe that the rules or the expectations that the churches have set are completely outdated. Mm -hmm. 
I had a professor that told us in undergrad that the greatest source of conflict is unmet expectations. Mm. And I think that both people that are our age going into the church might have expectations for the rules that they want outlined, the standards that they think should be held at a church, or the standards that they think are outdated and should not be held. And if if something doesn't line up there, then they don't feel like they have a place in that church. I found myself, even as I was at that new church last weekend, sitting there on my phone during service, because we went to the church kind of on a whim just to try it out and see what it was like. As I was looking at their website, I found myself looking at their doctrine and making sure that it lined up with what I believed rather than Mm -hmm. being open to what they believe and seeing how the Bible speaks through them. So I could see how that could be a big cause of conflict because people in our generation, if they, it's also the fact that there are so many options for them available now Mm -hmm. that if they don't find something that meets their expectation perfectly, then there's always another option. And Mm -hmm. so they can always go to another church. They could always attend virtual online church. They don't have to stick with what's just readily available to them right there. I mean, I think no loyalty, right? So let's wrap this up with this final question because we're trying to figure out what we can do better. What are your expectations? What is your generation from your perspective? What are your expectations of the church? I think the overarching theme of, at least from what I've heard from this conversation is what's the, the great commandment? Mm-hmm. To love, love God, God with all your heart, mm-hmm. soul, and mind, body, strength, all this stuff, and to love others. I know it is hard, but it sounds really easy. It is easy if we just get into the practice of it. I think we've gotten away from the practice of, of just being loving and gracious and merciful like our God is to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And we're called to be more like Christ each and every day. And mm-hmm. I think that we have just, as a, as a country, as a world, has just struggled with that. COVID has not helped with that at all, and I understand that. COVID has kind of caused a reset in our lives. Mm -hmm. So let's go on the up and up. So the church should have a reset as well. Yeah. Going along with what Jake said, I agree about loving God and loving others. And I really just, when I'm going to a church, I want to see them be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to see them bring God outside those four walls. Mm -hmm. So I love when I go to a church and I hear about all the different ministries they have and outreach for their community Mm -hmm. or missions out of country, that sort of thing. And just when they're friendly and open and honest with each other. Mm -hmm. I love when a pastor opens up and is like, I've been struggling with X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. and relates it to the message. A huge thing for me is just seeing pastors preach out of their Bible. Like, have you guys ever gone to church and seen a pastor not even have his Bible up there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The message is just way out of left field. And you're like, Mm -hmm. is this church? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. I jotted down just a few words that came to mind and like expectations, but kind of what we've talked about, humility, being able to admit when you've messed up and move on from that and grow from that. Transparency along the same lines, love, unconditional love, not we will love you up until X and then our love no longer (laughs) exists. Service, as Sarah was saying, I've always loved when especially when churches are community minded. They don't even have to be globally minded. While it's great to be globally minded, being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then also if they're wanting to foster genuine connection with the people who are attending the church without an agenda, they're not trying to boost their numbers in their church. Mm -hmm. They're trying to bring Jesus to you through Bible-based messages, (laughs) not attractive messages that might bring in an audience. Like I remember there was a church that I went to and they were preaching 
about the Beatles with some Jesus thrown in. (laughs) And I was so confused by the whole message because I could see how they were trying to be relevant and how they were wanting to try and connect to what people might be interested in. But that's not what I was craving. I was wanting to get down into scripture and have that connection. Well, thank you for joining us on the Faith Conversation today, to Kyla and Sarah for joining us here on the kitchen table. This trend is not only heartbreaking, but it should cause all of us to ask ourselves those serious questions. You know, why is this happening? What can we as the church be doing differently? What can we as parents to be doing differently? And when we start getting answers to those, and I think this discussion is a great place to start. Honestly, this should be priority for anyone who is a parent of a teenager. They want to be a part of this, Mm -hmm. that they belong. They want to belong and they want to participate in this and they want to have those discussions. So that's our faith conversation for today. Now moving into Music Matters. So in Music Matters, we like to talk about music because dad and I love music. And so (laughs) we just kind of bring songs of the week. So I'll bring a song of the week. And then dad brings a new song and an oldie but goldie. So dad, new song. Got a new song? Me? Yes, I do. Josh Baldwin, one of the Bethel Music worship leaders. He's in that whole group of different worship leaders that they have. He has a new song out and it's called Into the Wild. Not heard if you've heard it or not. I have not. Really good song. The lyric I love, it says, I want to follow. I want to follow your heart in the face of the unknown. I want to trust you. Trust who you are when I let go. I'm halfway home into the wild. And it's just this total abandonment, trusting in God in everything and every corner of your life. It's what it's all about. So this is a new from Josh Baldwin, and it's called Into the Wild. Into the wild. new-ish stuff. So Maverick City Music, yes. kind of like... They've exploded. They've, yeah, they, they're like up on the level of like Hillsong You know they're doing a tour, right? They are. And they're and selling I, out everywhere. I wanted tickets and I didn't get them. No, you didn't. So they just released kind of a, a new album called... And isn't this with Elevation? Uh, me? I think it's like I think Maverick it, City yeah, it's and Maverick Elevation. Yeah, it's Maverick City and Elevation. It's kind of like a... They got together. <laughs> yeah. So it's just my favorite. Now, I if love you don't Elevation. know what Maverick City is, one, it's not a church. Many oh. people, many oh, people I think it it's a church. I no, was. I thought it was. It's a, con- it's like a group of worship leaders yeah. from the Atlanta area mm-hmm. that come together and they just have this spontaneous yeah, worship sing and they really film good. it and they record it it's and so this much is fun. what comes out. Well, of it. so they just released a new album with Ele- Elevation mm-hmm. uh, called Old Church Basement, mm-hmm. and so I'm just going to do their title track because it's just a good song. But I really like it because the the lyrics say uh, it's kind of an old hallelujah with a new melody. And I think that kind of goes along with our conversation of like of old kind of traditions, but also like this new world that we're in. How do we how do we combine it? How do you bring it? So yeah. I, it's a great message. I love this. The whole album is just oh, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> great music. So here is Old Church Basement by Maverick City Music and Elevation Worship. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. It's just in Really, really great stuff. Oh, yeah. Their whole album. So good. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay, it's time for us to dig into the vault. We're going to go back in time to something that's celebrating a 30th anniversary. It's our Oldie But Goldie. 
a 30th anniversary edition of this record has just been released because it's, it's celebrating 30 years now. This originally was released on March 5th in 1991. Uh, sold over 5 million copies of this record. And it's from Amy Grant. And it's the Heart in Motion project, which there are numerous hits off of it. I was uh, at a conference a couple weeks ago, and they presented a Don't rub it in a trailer. Actually, they presented the first thirty minutes of a documentary that's coming out. So the guys who did the movie, I can only imagine. Yeah, they also did a Jeremy I Camp story. Believe. I still believe they have a a documentary that's going to be oh, released wow. in theaters called Jesus Music. And it's going to look at 50 years of the Jesus movement that brought in contemporary music and starting out in the very first. So we watched the first 30 minutes of like the rough cuts. They still had like notes on them and everything else, but it's going to be phenomenal. Wow. And so Amy Grant, of course, she wasn't there at the beginning. The beginning, you have groups like the, you know, from Calvary Chapel in California (laughs) with Love Song and you had Keith Green and you had, uh, you know, all these different Larry Norman. And so that's going to be in there. But uh, Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, Grant are a part of this in the middle part of the history there. They are the executive producers of this documentary. That's awesome. So we're going to celebrate that and encourage you to watch that when it comes out in theaters uh, in November, I believe, but then also celebrate 30-year anniversary of Heart in Motion by Amy Grant. So we're going to do one of the hits from that record. Here's Every Heartbeat. Still doing music, still yeah. creating music, which is a great thing. Well, she's thing. doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I mean, she she was, I think she helped out with the that uh, A Week Away movie, the, the Netflix. That's correct. She was in that. Yep. Like, she's just doing a bunch of stuff. Yep. So good for her. Well, that wraps up Music Matters. And now moving into Culture Shock. So in Culture Shock, we celebrate people that are making a difference for the kingdom of God and impacting culture. A lot of times, of course, that can be a celebrity, a a sports player, player, uh, you know, uh, actor, could be a politician. Musician. So I have a musician for this one. We didn't do the other part. Average Joe Schmo. Oh, do you want to redo that? That's fine. Okay. And so this person is a, I guess she would fall into the, the vein of a celebrity, but she's a new celebrity. I don't know if you saw it. That she goes by the name Nightbird. Have you seen this? This is a shock to you. I've never heard of her. Okay, Nightbird is her singing name. Her real name is Jane something. Uh, oh, she, she's wait. 30 years old and she did an original song on America's Got Talent. She's a Christian. She is battling cancer. In fact, doctors have told her she has a 2% chance of surviving. 2%. Even on the audition, on, on the clip, if you've seen it, Simon asks her how she's doing, and she's got, she goes, well, most recently I have cancer in my spine and a couple other different places, her lungs, her spine, and somewhere else. But she did this song, and the song was called It's Okay. Phenomenal song. Simon gave her the golden buzzer, I guess, wow. which pushes her all the way through. She said something that I think, I think it truly impacted the judges. She said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Mm. And you could just see the faces on 
the judges, especially yeah. Simon. He's a pretty tough guy. He doesn't yeah, want to show yeah. a lot of emotion. Since that point, it's just gone viral. And she, of course, is a believer and has written a blog and has for several years. And and Steph from Shine.fm says, you got to read her blog because her blog is just unbelievable. Yeah. She has a blog post from March 9th of this year discussing her faith and her battle with cancer. And the blog post is entitled God on the Bathroom Floor. And it says, I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Every morning he sent them mercy bread from heaven. And then she says, call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with the loaves of mercy that were hidden from me. Even on the days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is in there even now. I have heard it said that some people who can't see God because they won't look low enough, and it's true. So this young gal, because of that performance, and the show's going to go on, because of what she is, she is a cancer warrior, and she is inspiring now millions of people. Awesome. So if you haven't checked it yet, I invite you to go, just uh, go on YouTube and uh, search Nightbird, It's Okay. Yeah. And just watch that performance, phenomenal thing, and we uh, we root her on. She's, uh, she's making a difference in culture. That's awesome. That wraps up Culture Shock. And that wraps up this episode of The Kitchen Table. Well, we want to thank Kyla and Sarah for joining us in our fan conversation and helping the church kind of figure out some ways to be more open to younger people as they deconstruct their faith and all this stuff. If you want to stay in contact with us, the best way by doing that is through the Shine.fm Facebook page in the group tab with the Kitchen Table group. And there we can continue on the faith conversations. If you want to share us music or a question that you have about faith or someone who's making a difference in your culture, we would love to know that. We love the average Joe Schmoes, as we like to call it on this program. Well, thanks for spending time with us this week. Uh, We certainly hope that this conversation starts more conversations for you and maybe even your children or maybe even you and your church. Until next time, stay salty and lit. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.